and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And we are working the microphones very closely today. Yes. Indeed. Uh, In the hushed atmosphere. Yes, it was not quite hushed. No. There was quite a lot of background noise. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're grabbing a moment to do an episode for your ears um, as best we can. There is background noise and um, we are sorry about that. Yes. Um, but We'll, uh, we'll try and be clear. Yes. Project. We're actually in the National Theatre in the yes. South Bank, so we Absolutely. will project as well as yes. being close to the microphones. Yes, and we are not um, at the Edinburgh Festival, where the background Sadly noise no. will be a lot. Well, <laughs> the background noise will be a lot greater there. Yes, uh, the and whole some, city is loud for a yeah, month. That's true, and somebody already, someone would have come up to us with a leaflet asking us to go and see their show. I think. Yes, um, yeah. and we would have to politely go. Well, we'd have to feign feign polite interest because we used yeah. to do that very thing, and we can't. Mm be angry at them. Oh, not at all. No. Um, we can admire the, uh, uh, you know, we can mm. admire the effort. I would just say as well, one little piece of advice, if you are at the fringe, if you're there to see stuff, don't necessarily uh, go go with what you've booked or what you've read in the programme beforehand. Do sit in a caf sit in a cafe and wait for someone to come up to you, not necessarily someone with a leaflet, but someone who's been to see things and just get into conversation and you might find something that surprises you and turns out to be brilliant. Yeah, I think that's really good advice to make sure that you do go and see just stuff you've never heard of. It would be a real shame if you went and you saw four different comedians that you'd seen on Mock the Week. Um, It would be much better if you went to see a whole lot of people you've never heard of and I can pretty much guarantee if you go, you know, try and see seven shows and you'll probably love three of them. One of them, you can't understand why you loved it, but you just did. You know, two or three will be so-so and then a couple of others you'll have hated. You know, one will just be plain bad and the other one will probably be quite good, but you just didn't like it. This, this, uh, this is almost a carbon copy of a conversation that I had uh, yesterday with a relative who I met for the first time in my life um, through very weird sort of Facebook experience and things. And uh, wow, that sounds like a show in its own. Life. I know it's yeah. fantastic, yeah. really. It's quite quite uh, bizarre. Um, but she had been to Edinburgh a few years ago and described almost exactly right. what you were saying now. Oh yeah. yes, that was. I saw that. That was terrible. Oh, and then that. Oh, but oh, then that was. I wasn't expecting this to be good, and it was fantastic. So that 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 is the Edinburgh experience. If you're not there and you wanted to go there. Um, there is a very strong possibility that it might be because uh, the rent has proved to be prohibitive. And this is a a, a new phenomenon. And We spoke to a few comedians ahead of the festival, uh, people who generally go up. And I think, James, this applied to you as well. It was certainly a factor. Um, The the high rents have just put off so many people. When I was there in 2017, I had to accommodate myself and my family because I didn't want to be away from my family for a whole month or for the best part of a month anyway. Um, and in the end, I think I was only there for 10 days, partly to keep costs down. Uh, but the, the the rest of the team of the show was kicking around and I was obviously on the hook for their accommodation. And, um, and actually, it just became a question of thinking, well, the show is the cheap and the easy bit and the accommodation is just a nightmare and this just doesn't seem right, really. So... When I was thinking, do I take a turbulent priest to the Edinburgh Festival? The answer was no. I didn't. I didn't really think about that one for very long. Um, 
If somebody would like to produce a turbulent priest in Edinburgh next year, in the 850th year of their murder of Thomas Beckett, you yeah. are more than welcome to do so. But, well, uh, but as for me, I mm. shall not be doing that. Yeah, I suspect it won't be Brett Vincent. Brett uh, is quite a well-known uh, comedy promoter. He's actually he's promoting, um, along uh, other shows, he's promoting the Whose Line Is It Anyway show. He said that his accommodation costs have gone up by 33%. He said it's costing him £20,000 just just to rent out the flats for the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And, um, you know, this is somebody who, for years, has been one of the sort of mainstay promoters of the Fringe, mm. responsible for getting comedians up there. Uh, and if, if it carries on like this, um, then, you know, this could be like quite a serious blow to people trying to get shows on. There's also the uh, the Burdett Coots family who are no strangers to uh, inherited wealth and much more, but yeah. even so, even they are, uh, they run the assembly rooms. Yeah. Uh, as well as being the bankers for the the Queen, uh, oh, right? Uh, Coots, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but they are still, or they were still, with like only a week to go or so to go before the festival. They were still struggling to find accommodation for some of the people working on uh, at the festival on their behalf. Yeah, it's hard to see what mm. what is actually going to happen next because. Mm. As we've said before on this podcast many times, you know, even even in 1999, when I was doing a show there two years after leaving university or a year after, it felt like the festival was getting out of control. And they said, well, this is ridiculous. There are 700 shows. Yeah. And now there are 3,500 shows, or there were last year. And you you sort of think, well, um, at one point, there'll, there'll come a point where it just isn't worth going. Yeah. And it will start to decline. And... That, you know, we have killed the goose that has laid the golden egg, and yeah. the, the the residents of Edinburgh have. But again, it's it's hard to keep saying the sky is going to fall when it just never seems to fall. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of problems. There's been a recent law change in, in uh, Scotland about, about tenancy, uh, and that, that seems to have affected um, the, the ability of uh, leasing agents to rent out student flats. And students, obviously, they leave Edinburgh in May May or June. But uh, normally, their flats become available to to rent out in kind of February, March time. So that, and that's when most people are looking to book their accommodation. Yeah, nobody wants, nobody, students don't need them in August. And therefore, there's a Mm. whole load of student flats available in August. Is that now long, no longer? It's the fact that you can't start booking them until June and July. So there's these flats that were normally booked in February and March are now being booked kind of June, July time. So uh, it's making it, it's very sort of last minute. uh, And it means that um, you're, you're left with the people who are holding out um, to get the, the, the best prices and, and um, there's, so there's less supply and, and mm. uh, as they as this particular letting agent says the you know, supply and greed are basically driving the situation and you think well if I can hang on the longer I can hang on the more money I'm, I'm going to get yeah. and you know, sadly that will probably be the case yes we have uh, a problem with human nature there more yes. than anything else <laughs> true um, and so uh, mm. Uh, I have my own views on that, obviously. Yeah. The so I mean, the Edinburgh Fringe is now in full swing. It has begun to swing as this episode is being dropped. Last time we talked to Anna Nicholson, 
um, and she is now doing her show. Mm, um, the uh, Adelaide Comedy Fringe uh, winner. Her, yes, indeed. So she is doing her, her new show, as well as her old show, Woman of the Year. Uh, so do go and see um, Anna Nicholson. Uh, book up and, and see her. Uh, but um, what is what, what did you have any reflections on, uh, Dave, after listening to that? I, I, um, it's, I thought it was quite good that um, she talked a lot about some um, things we've talked about before as well and, and, and there is that English thing and, and it doesn't matter if you're a performer or, or a writer you do have to get over yourself as mm. the Americans probably say and think of yourself as a brand and uh, I still can't believe that this is me saying this in 2019 that I would in years gone by I would have vomited at the very suggestion of that but actually it's kind of um, there, there are so many people in competition for so few things and when you get to a certain point uh, everybody is is very very good um, you have to have something else beyond being very, very good, yeah. um, and that's and that has to be you, and that and and you have to sell that, and you know, so you kind of have to commoditize yourself uh, mm. as a writer, as well as giving people what they want. Yeah, that's in, a book title, know. isn't it? Commoditize yeah. yourself, <laughs> or, I or, can't in, believe, or, or yeah. a T-shirt. Commoditize yeah. this. It's probably already out there yeah, somewhere, no, you know, uh, along with authorpreneur, writerpreneur, absolutely, and all those well, other. You're, you're partly responsible. For I some am. Of those. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. And uh, gosh, but it was also good that she shame. mentioned and mentioned News Review, which has been a real um, mainstay long-running yeah. thing. I was so pleased. I couldn't make that uh, interview, but I was so pleased when you interrupted the moment she said news review, and I thought, yes, gosh, that is really is. Um, I'm off the top of my head, I can't... I mean, I know Rory Bremner started at news review, uh, mm. and I'm sure there are other uh, very well-known people who, whose careers uh, began Well, there. it's almost like a form of comedian, actor, national service, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just a... It's, it's, it's a bit of a rite of passage, but it is... As Anna was saying, yeah. it, it, you really get thrown into the deep end mm. and you really do have to learn fast, write fast. Um, but if for those who are looking for ways of breaking in and just getting experience mm. and getting discipline, uh, we talked about time management um, a couple of episodes ago, yeah. News Review would be a good discipline to get into a habit of writing for. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the financial rewards are virtually zero. But not a lot of money, but it's a, it's a great credit to have. I've just just found some more names here: Reese Shearsmith, uh, Alistair McGowan, Bill Bailey, Stephen Frost. That surprises me actually. Mm. Uh, um, Michelle Collins, uh, Zoe Lyons, uh, Pippa Evans, Sarah Pascoe, etc. Lots of lots of well-known people: Nick Helm, Cariad Lloyd. So it's obviously uh, from a performance point of view it's a great thing to do you really learn you 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 as I, the way she was describing it, and, and and I know that theatre very well the Canal Cafe it's a great talk, room isn't it it's a great room that that back backstage is literally a room for like this once you've got three people there there's not really room for much else yes and, and the sort of changing around in costumes and props it must be for a show like that must 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 be a sort of hideous nightmare really. yeah but uh, yeah it is a great show to practice on and it's also you don't need to be i mean you need to be up on the news in the way that you probably need to be with newsjack as well but you kind of don't really need to have a, like a serious point of view although they do 
uh, put that across. I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, you have to do silly things and make an audience laugh, and that that's the really crucial thing is yeah. that you're writing for an audience. Yeah, um, and, and then then you can actually go and watch the show, and they might do one of your sketches, and you. And that will be a buzz, and that will be that will feel like progress. Yeah, and, and you'll think, meet other writers yeah. there as well. And I think you just need to. You, part of being a writer is feeling like a writer, and you mm. do need those kind of encouragements just to keep you going because it is a very long and long and painful and lonely journey. And so anything you can do to give yourself a bit of a shot in the arm without mm. actually using drugs um, <laughs> would you know would be a very very good thing to do if it's you know. So, uh, you know, news review would be well worth well worth yeah. your time. Were there any other things, Dave? Yeah, I think, and again, this is something, uh, it sort of applies more to performers, but I think it does also uh, work for writers, especially if you want to work with a performer, um, is about not rushing in to do your first solo show, uh, but then, conversely, not... Uh, holding back and holding back till yeah. you don't do it. Well, you'll never feel ready. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did... Yeah, I, I knew Anna and therefore I'd worked with her before and I was encouraging her and I felt that she could actually get stuff together in time and encouraged her to do mm. that. So, but ultimately, you could take 18... There is a Parkinson's law at work there. You mm. could take 18 months to do your show and... It'll, it'll never be perfect and you'll look back on it and cringe however good it is and by the by the time this episode drops you'll have already discovered if your show is hot or not probably yeah. you know what I mean there is that kind of instant mm. first week of Edinburgh where there's a bit of a scramble and suddenly some shows emerge as already quite cool and the shows that people are liking mm. you do get one or two that emerge h- halfway through and then towards the end yeah. you get a few sort of slow burns slow yeah. burns yeah but, I mean, I think that when, when we were just talking earlier about accommodation, um, I was thinking, well, one solution to that is only to go for a week or only to go for 10 days. But then you're thinking, well, you know, you, if, if you are going to have a successful run, you want it to run for as long as possible. Yeah. And if you are going to do a show, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance of of selling tickets and getting known and, and hanging out with other performers and being mm. there for a month. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that's I think all of those th- if it's just turning up booking for a week so that you might get your 15 minutes of fame uh, that's suddenly feeling like a change in the nature of the festival and what you're trying to get out of it and yeah. what the benefits are I think there is something about that kind of that, that almost a sort of military uh, boot camp of being in Edinburgh for three and a half weeks um, I th- you could probably do two weeks, I think, if you go yep. and you do like a solid and you don't have a break at all. You just run through mm. 14 nights or 14 afternoons yeah. uh, at, a f- at a free venue or something. And that that's, if, if you're not yet, if you don't yet feel ready to, uh, and, and also obviously financially that that's... Um, that that helps as well. Mm. I think a, a big two-week run, and I think a few more people have been doing that recently. But there is something about that kind of uh, survival spirit among those of us who did that sort of year in, year out, four weeks a year. There is a kind of almost a sort of som mentality that we, when when we meet again, you know, the old old soldiers who 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 meet up, and I and I think it is important from a comedy point of view 
because you go you go through all the emotions of mm. like like a normal year's worth of emotions tele- telescoped into four weeks. So it is a kind of uh, I mean I mean it is something that that replicates the sort of world of being a comedian anyway. Yeah. I think or being in comedy the, the ups moments of great success and the long periods of tedium where nothing's yeah. quite happening. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is a grueling marathon, and I think you, you sort of, if you if you turn up and sprint for a bit, I, uh, I don't I don't think that's quite as a satisfying experience, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, and I think anyone who sometimes when people come out the other side and they they slightly make a name for themselves and they come back just to do two or three yeah. nights somewhere, they always feel like oh, I just I, I don't feel like I belong. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I've I'm cheating. Yeah. I wish I wish I had had that experience of going back after one of my massive no. successes and yeah. doing three nights at a venue that it would have taken me three weeks to get that same number of audience yeah. along and thought, oh, what an empty feeling. I still, I was only here for three nights rather than four weeks and I made about ten times more than I yeah. would have done in that I know, but that's, that's yeah. not it. We, yeah. there's, there's nothing... You have to have earned it. I there's think. nothing terribly rational about the Edinburgh Fringe, is there, from, from, no. from any direction. No. And it has just... Uh, vo- it's just sort of... Um, kind of grown and grown mm. like some kind of... You know, like an animated monster that kind of... That sucks in energy from everyone, just gets bigger and bigger. It's yeah. this huge blob, mm. um, and that's what I like about it because it's yeah. not, yeah. As you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, um, I'm not a centralizer. I like things. That, it's a wiki festival, isn't it? It's mm. you can just add bits on. You can just turn up. You don't need to ask yeah. permission to do anything. Mm. But the downside of that is it kind of. It, it, it does. It might collapse mm. under its own weight, yeah. but, you know, like the markets do, or whatever it is. But yeah. we shall see. We, we shall see. see. I've been. I've spent the last six months writing about it, so it's very close to me emotionally. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Your yeah. novel. Yeah. How, how, how are you getting on? Well, I finished my first draft. Right. Which was quite a thing, and uh, I probably I could probably talk about it as an, in another podcast. I think. I'm oh, not, definitely. Not quite, I'm. I'm not quite ready to. I haven't quite processed yet right. the very fact that I finished it. It's been, it's been quite a, uh, I've never written anything like it in 36 yeah. years. It feels like a real kind of... You, know, you wrote a, a novel, didn't you? I did, yes. Um, was I, that based I, on the radio show it or was, was it before no, the radio it was, show? No, it was parallel to the radio show. Right. So Hutt I did... Hutt 33. Yes, Hutt 33 set in Bletchley Park. So I wrote a novel which had a strand set in Bletchley Park and right. was about code breakers and, okay. and that kind of thing but there were no overlapping characters or anything like right. that and how long was it and how long did it take you it to it was write? about 80,000 words wow. and I've blocked out how long it took to write and it was not really published mm. um, but and I, a part of me would like to go back to it um, but I think almost rewriting it so that I didn't hate it <laughs> would be more work than just starting from scratch and doing something else. I heard about somebody, which, uh, and I find this almost impossible to believe, but apparently it's true. There's a novelist, and I can't remember her name, but another novelist mentioned, who literally throws away her first draft, the 80,000 words. Wow. Chucks it away and then starts again. Wow. And that works for them. And I just think, my God, I would... The, the guts you need yeah. to do something like that. 
Right. And the, the income, <laughs> the but level I, of success. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's just most, I, I can sort of understand it really. I mean, you often, so I was thinking a lot about your, your the, a lot of things you say in the process because you've written a lot more scripts than I have. You've had a lot more scripts made. I mean, I've had done 15 minute ones, but sure. you're 30 minute, you know, you've written a lot. So you know, you know, you, you, you talk about that first draft being just, you know, get it out there, yeah. don't worry. Yeah, and get to the end. And that's really, really the case with the novelers. It's like yeah. scrambling through. I can't think of a word here. It doesn't matter. I'll just put brackets around it and come up with the word when I come back to it. Yeah. Uh, this plot, hideous, massively big plot change needed from something 20,000 words earlier. I'll just put a big black star here. Plot change needed here and right. just plough through. Yeah, I think there's and, a lot further. Uh, I mean, they, they call it, other writers call it a vomit pass. Yeah. You just sort of vomit the script onto mm. the page. Which I think, you know, you, you might not be that kind of writer. My writing partner, writing partner Richard, is tends to take a little longer. It tends to produce yeah. a first draft that's considerably tidier than, than well, many others. Well, this is actually... I, I, I got to a point about halfway through when I realised that there's a, I needed to completely, massively re, rethink this sort of quite detailed plot outline that I had. And uh, I wrote two friends who are, who are both... Um, successful novelists and uh, I, I sort of said I know you know I'm sure there's no right and wrong answer here what should I do should I should I go back and start mm. again or should I just plow through and one of them said plow through and just he said you know I changed sometimes characters change sex halfway through my, yeah. my draft and the other one said well I tend to just sit there and tweak away so I would probably go back to you know there just isn't yeah. a right and a wrong way at yeah. all really. and I think it comes down to also knowing and if you go back to an episode which hopefully we'll link to in the show notes with Carrie Quinlan oh, yes. we talk about what kind of writer are you Yeah, and I think mm. it, it is good to know what sort of writer you are so that you know that if you're the sort of person that does need to go back and fix it mm. then feel fine about doing that um, but there, uh, there are no right or wrong no there really. are but what, what's interesting for me as well is the sort of that I, I for 36 years into being a writer I broke rules about who I am what right. kind of writer are you and I reached a point there was a point I was writing 500 words a day which seemed quite good and I sort of realized if I want to get it finished by the end of June which I did I'm going to have to double that I'm going to have to start writing right. a thousand words a day and I just thought that's not going to happen is it because that's just not the kind of writer I am but right but there's something about the maths and the need to do it that I did actually manage to right. go up and become that. And I just became a much faster writer and a much more, yeah. oh, this will do for now. Whereas yeah. before I was definitely much more of the, I, I, what I would describe in my last book as the, the tinkerer. Yeah. You know, I love to sort of tinker with stuff and go back. And I just, I, I ditched tinkerer for yeah. now and I became the splurger yeah because you can't you can't tinker 80,000 yeah. words it'll take you take you your yeah. whole life and yeah. one or two people do do that and it sounds mm. like yeah. um, you know one or two six like uh, Donna Tart, for example yeah. uh -huh. the writer of The Secret History yeah. that first novel took her 10 years yeah. her second novel took her about six or seven years right, yeah. and when people said you know oh, where's the novel after <laughs> two years she said well the first one took me 10 years why do you think the next one will be <laughs> And then and, the next yeah. one after that took another f 
at least five or six years. Well, Lissa Evans, who was one of the novelists that I contacted, you... Oh, uh, my wife is a huge fan of her her books. I love her books. And Lissa was, of course, the the, uh, director on on, uh, Father Ted and has worked on a a lot of uh, TV comedy. And she she is very much... She is the one who... I mean, she is actually bringing out books quite prolifically now. Yeah, she is. But she is very much of the... uh, Oh, God, I spent all day today trying to get that sentence right. Uh, School of, of writing. And that was uh, she. She was the one who said, "Yeah, keep keep tinkering." It. I think going back to you know, with pulling together a number of threads here, um, as, as Danny Baker says, we'll start the show in a minute. Although I don't know, I don't know actually what we're going to do. But um, it feels like we're pulling together a few threads. And, and one was, I have been writing a script recently, a commissioned uh, script for an existing uh, show, and I have I haven't actually written a script for a little while I felt like a bit bit out of practice but I did just set myself targets of right okay day one I'm just going to write two scenes because the first scene is always hard to write so write scene one and write scene two I've got the outline it's been signed off there are some notes on it and then the second day I thought right today I can write three scenes because I've written the hardest scenes to the first scene and then um the, then the day after that, I think there was a cricket match and, and not what happened. <laughs> I think England beat Australia that day. And then, um, yes. And then the next day, I only had time. I only had an hour. I just thought, but I've got. I can write one scene in an hour. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even on the on the way here, for example, I just thought, well, let's make sure I write two scenes on the train on yeah. the way there, and I'll write two scenes on the train on the way home. I can't. I can't write six thousand words in a day. Mm. Um, so. So, so grow up and just make sure you do right. But scenes are kind of, you can do a scene yeah. in one sitting. Mm. So, so do that. And sometimes you get stuck and it doesn't work. And other mm. days you write a scene, you write another one, and then you write a third one you weren't even planning to. And that's, that's fine too. Yeah. But then go off and do something else. Mm. Um, but again, everyone's different. But I think yeah. just breaking it down into manageable chunks and just being trying to be professional and business-like about it. I know it's not terribly mm. romantic, but if you want this to be a job, yeah. you sort of need to treat it like one, and that's okay, you know. Mm. And I think, and actually, this does, this does come finally to one of the things that we had said, oh, let's talk about this today. And uh, it, it, it's sort of on a slightly tangential level, but uh, it's a, a, that, a tweet that I saw from uh, Gary Delaney. He's just, he likes to, he's an amazing uh, stand-up, very successful um, churns out the gags really yeah and he likes to kind of talk about the process on twitter he's uh, he, he he reveals a lot about his process you yeah know, he has spreadsheets and everything. yeah and we, his his episode of the comedian's comedian compod yeah um uh, if you go to comcom at comcom pod yeah that's really presented good. by stuart goldsmith which is a brilliant podcast hello mm. stuart um mm. do go and listen to th- yeah. It's ancient. It's probably episode 36 or something. It's, it is quite a long way back. Um, yeah. Gary Delaney, and there's another episode with Adam Bloom as well. Yeah. Um, which kind of reveals what a strange, you know, strange mind Adam Bloom is, an incredible, yeah. uh, incredible mind. Mm. But the Gary one, Gary Delaney one, is excellent, so I recommend yeah. that. But tell me more about what he was saying. Yes, he talks about his, uh, the, 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 he, he goes and he tries out jokes, uh, new material night, and he, uh, and he says they're A, B, C, and D jokes jokes and the d jokes get rejected straight away uh the c jokes are uh, get rewritten and um the um hopefully he'll try them again and the a's the a's work so they're fine the yeah. b's are kind of not quite there so the b's and c's get rewritten and he tries them and tries them and and, and process of elimination 
he says that by the time he gets out and does his tour, um, he has, uh, for every 20 jokes that he's written, he's rejected 19 of them. Whoa. Which is, so that's like, and that's every line that has been tried at least once. So maybe like, if he goes out and tries 100 jokes, or let's say he goes out and tries 30 jokes in a, in a night, um, then by the law of averages, half a dozen of them probably haven't worked and get binned straight away, but they may they may get recycled, they may mm. find their way eventually. And then there's uh, 24 of those jokes that are left that are, uh, that are going to be yeah. worked and worked and worked. And after those, then there's only like one or two that, yeah. that make the final cut for a show, for going on tour, and that. So um, that, that is an incredible amount of work. So yeah. that's like a 95% rejection rate yeah and um and obviously it's been when i've been sitting there <laughs> writing the novel thinking i know i know that there's going to be a lot of stuff rejected here. yeah it's not all supposed to be funny anyway yeah, so yeah. it doesn't really matter but i went back to a script having not having not worked much on a on like a kind of comedy script with an audience i really felt much more my mind was rejecting stuff a lot more Right. Because I knew, well, okay, I'm only writing down what's going to work for the novel. And so I came back to the script and I thought, right, there's a joke here that's not quite working. I'm going to, that's, I'm not going to write yeah. that joke. Okay. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but uh, I think, you know, so someone like Gary, who's one of the most successful yeah, he, comedians. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a very strong theory of comedy in his brain. He knows how jokes work and why jokes work. Mm. And yet his rate, his success rate is about 5%. Yeah. I mean, that's very humbling, isn't it? I, yeah. I did go to a new material night that Tim Vine did. Yeah. And it is really interesting how... I mean, Tim's got a different... So Gary Delaney is more of a Milton Jones yeah. in the sense that I always think that pretty much every... Ga if you like Gary Delaney, virtually every joke of his will make you laugh. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. It may be 50-50, but it's certainly 50-50 yeah. or 70-30. Same with Milton. Yeah. The jokes are slightly longer, but they punch pretty hard. Yeah. Whereas Tim will tell three jokes in that time. Yeah. And one, for whatever reason, will punch you hard. Mm. One will... Um, uh, one will keep you chuckling, and the other one might actually be slightly puzzling for you. Yeah. You just think, blimey, that's... you know. That's, uh, but but yeah. Tim Tim is the machine gun yeah. kind of thing. And it's, but it's weird how I went to a new material night and there was a fourth category a fourth category of joke which was oh that just doesn't work. Yeah. So there are jokes which make it into his act which I just think oh very good I just don't think that's terribly funny but yeah. that technically works. Mm. But then there's the fourth category of just like that that just doesn't work. Yeah. But it's amazing that you just don't know until. Yeah. You know, until you actually try it in a room. I think what Tim has, and I suppose I see it more with Tim because I, I saw him a lot when he he was starting out when I was still performing. So right. uh, he has that element of um, the, the the persona of I'm actually not that bothered whether you find it funny or not. Yeah. Almost, and he gets away with that just because he has got so many yeah. jokes. Whereas, and he's also got yeah. a persona, isn't yeah. he? Of yeah, I don't care whether you're laughing. I'm on for four hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. the song Alarm Bells, which yeah. ends with the line, um, I'm only a quarter of a way through my act, <laughs> which he sort of sings about after about 45 minutes. Right. Um, so there's a kind of a Ken Dodd yeah. accumulation going on. Yeah. I think with Milton and Gary, there is much more, it's a kind of more of the American 
uh, yes. stand-up style. It is, you know, here's a gag. This is going to be great. You like that? Here's another one. Yeah. Here's another. Here's another. Here's another. You know, yeah. it's almost like a sort of metronome yeah. of, of great, great, yeah. great lines. Um, I'm not not saying that Tim has. Bad it's lines, a, but it's as just a different say, rhythm. Yes, it's, yeah, if it's, if yeah. it's, it's a different it's, rhythm it's with like, a different persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it does, it, it, like you say, it's very humbling, and it is also worth remembering. You know, when your thing gets rejected, um, you know, in the moment, it's very hard to see these things. But and if if you look over, say, a sort of five year period of what you've done and what 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 has gone out mm. and what hasn't. Um, then you know, to to um, in in terms of what he's saying, you know, ninety five percent of his work for f- yeah. over five or ten years hasn't succeeded, and, that, and I mean, I think that is just worth it is worth remembering that. What's our last item on the agenda today, Dave? Uh, well, just to mention that uh, Gavin and Stacey Christmas special is happening. Uh, is it, what, 10 years since the original, possibly? Um, uh, maybe, yes. Maybe more. Yeah. Um, and um, it just got me thinking, you know, because it's been, it's been a, it has been a great year for new narrative uh, sitcom, I think. It's fair to say. We've had a lot of new ones, a lot mm. of returning shows. Yep. Um, and we've... Uh, but the thing that I've always said is the, re- the, the way to uh, get more better comedy is to have more comedy. Yeah. And because there's been no show that's been so hated and reviled in the press that, yeah. you know, uh, because there's been too many shows to spread it around. Really. Yeah. Um, but they to have more hits, you need more flops. Yeah, exactly. unfortunately. Exactly. And again, as we said earlier, possibly uh, I don't know if we caught this bit, but comedians who know what they're doing still produce jokes that don't mm. work. Yeah. So the same goes for sitcoms. It is exactly. a the rate of attrition is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you see a show like Gavin and Stacey come back, and it, if we hadn't had so many great shows this year, I would be a little bit more depressed about that. Not. You know, I loved Gavin and Stacey, great mm. show. But there is a kind of tendency to, to revisit uh, greatest hits, and it doesn't always, uh, it's not always it's, the right yeah. decision artistically, although it may be the right decision financially or career wise for a person who, who's on, on a bit of a low or whatever. But uh, not that that's the case with James Corden as well. No, as he's tell. doing fine. Um, but you also imagine that Ruth. Uh, Jones will be doing most of the heavy lifting on the writing, but maybe not, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just because given that James Corden literally cannot be in four places at once. Right. I think he's maxed out at three places at yeah. once. Yeah. Um, he, possibly he has an identical twin, because <laughs> uh, he is incredibly um, uh, I, I do feel I do feel that he, his character, his persona... Uh, is is kind of the the entire soul of Gavin and Stacey, though. It's very well. He's certainly he's, the the impact know. player. The energy, yeah. kind of comes from that. And without mm. him, it would be mm. a little bit. Uh, yeah, it would feel mm. like a party where the where the fun guy hasn't turned up. Yeah, and everyone says, "Oh no, it was good though." It's sometimes nice to have it a bit quieter. Yeah. and everyone's just thinking, "Oh, I wish the fun guy had turned yeah. up." Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I do think there are there has been a tendency, and it feels like there's a, this happens a lot. And it's not just you know, it's just that now every time a movie is successful, we expect there to be a, a sequel. Mm. Uh, and you know, it wasn't always like that. Yeah. You know, a great movie is a is a great movie. Yes, uh, and, and 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 it's got a 
self-contained story yes. and uh, you know at the end of the story that's it yeah uh, i suppose you know i, I, suppose I you guess cannot the, do 10 years on yeah. you can say well enough's happened in their lives to i think the, the i would probably be I, i'm not a fan of these remakes as you probably can imagine but i think i understand that the bbc are desperate to, for christmas to yeah. produce some kind of you know they want something that will be on the front page of the radio times yeah and there is something nostalgic about Christmas generally, mm. and they they have revived a number of different shows, a number of times at Christmas. And you know what? Maybe that's okay. You know, yeah. it's like you're checking in on old relatives that you've not seen for a while. Yeah. If you've lived with these characters, it is nice to go back to them, and it's not, you know, the it's not so bad really. And I mm. yeah, I, I think as a Commission six for a brand new series for the summer next year. Well, that feels like you have slightly run out of ideas, or yeah. you are a bit desperate. Uh -huh. But if you're doing however many for Christmas, then I suppose that's fine. The only thing worth pointing out is they're normally not. They're normally not as good. Yeah. They're normally a disappointment. Mm. Um, and the re and and that's partly because it goes back to we say a lot on this show now. When you're writing a show. Why now? Why you? And why this? Yeah. So there was a reason, there was something about Gavin and Stacey that was right for when it came out for those yeah. writers in that situation with that cast. And the idea that it will still feel right 10 years on is not immediately, it's mm. not self-evidently yeah, true. It's yeah. not, it's not mm. a no-brainer. No, and it right. may be, and that's fine. Yeah. And it may be they do one episode and it's really funny and they get away with it. Yeah. But overall, when you go back to things, you know, imagine if they resurrected Men Behaving Badly, for mm. example. I would be interested to see that. But when you go back and look at the originals now, they are a little bit hashtag me too. Yeah. They are a little bit, mm, yes. this, is, um, mm, yeah. this is not ideal. Yeah. Um, and therefore, to go back to it and to reinterpret it for now mm. would actually kind of spoil the essence of it even though the essence mm. in hindsight was, was a little bit grubby in places yeah but i don't know who yeah. knows yeah. i don't know do I you know? know i don't know no I, <laughs> it just struck me that uh and I, I suppose it's 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 an improvement on here was a show that was successful 40 years ago let's uh let, let let's do some sort of revival or some kind of remake of that um and it was just because um, the rumor that blackadder might be coming back together as well and the, uh, you know bring, bring they're kind of bringing the band back together for a last yeah uh, uh yeah and i i went to see um uh, the beach boys did, or brian wilson rather doing pet sounds right uh, which was an album that i loved uh and and you know it was great to see it again and the fantastic energy and he did lots of old fantastic beach boy hits and then there was this point at which he said oh, i've got some new songs now i'd like to try it and, oh, yeah. and suddenly the energy in the room just went yeah. Zoom. yeah uh and i thought well you know yeah okay you're brian wilson you're entitled you've earned to do it that. we but just wish we just wish <laughs> you wouldn't insist on yeah. the right yeah. yeah there are at least 10 more solid gold beach boy hits yeah. that i would happily sooner listen to than yeah. your brand new song which is selfish of me i realize yeah. but you know and that that's a little bit what i feel when i hear that oh yeah oh another blackadder okay fair enough well they did make another one and it was back and forth wasn't that's it true. and yeah. it wasn't very good um 
for some people it was the highlight of the trip about of their trip to the Millennium Dome but that, I'm afraid that says more about yeah. the existentialist despair that was the Millennium Dome <laughs> yeah. rather than Blackadder back okay. and forth yeah it's not funny Blackadder back and forth um, mm. which so that what they did do a reunion yeah um, I would happily watch an attempt to to to, to do it but um, I wouldn't expect it to succeed yeah um, yeah. I, it would be you would need to reinvent it in a very clever way. Yeah. Um, but it's easier said than done, and uh, they had a go with porridge. And if Clement and Lafrené can't do it, yeah, because it, it didn't didn't go terribly well. I, mm. I don't think. Um, mm. You know, although I think they're proud of the scripts and are happy yeah. with it, and there's lots to commend it. It didn't come back, and I don't. They weren't. It wasn't universally yeah. hailed as a return to form. Mm. I didn't see. Are you being served? Or very well, relevant. I mean, are you being served? Felt like a sort of a tribute act, yeah. a really affectionate tribute act. Uh-huh. And I didn't really have a problem with it, and I would yeah. probably have happily watched six more. Uh-huh. But it sort of feels like a novelty act rather than yeah. the revival of a much-loved brand. Yeah. But I think maybe we do overthink these things because part of me thinks, oh, you know, still open all hours. Uh, do we really want a show like, you know, reviving the... The, the past and you just think well people like open all hours and David Jason's in it it's written by the same people it does yeah. pretty good numbers and people like it get over yeah, it exactly, man exactly. get over it shut up Dave yeah, shut exactly. up James just enjoy it for just what enjoy it, is. it. And, yeah. and also if you don't enjoy it and you're too much of yours to enjoy it then turn the telly off turn the telly off go yeah. away get Netflix exactly. get Amazon Prime <laughs> and watch Fraggle Rock which is what I've just discovered was an Amazon Prime uh, recently right okay and um, although the bit although going back to Porridge it's the Fraggle Rock that's I didn't know there was an American version which has an American lighthouse keeper or whatever it is. Okay. Because the English version had Fulton Mackay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not the prime version. Mm. So I didn't realise that that had all been clearly reshot yeah. in some still way. Worth, still worth watching? Oh, I watched the whole episode and it was surprisingly held up and my kids yeah. enjoyed it too. Great. Great. Um, a bit slow, but then most TV you watch from 30, 40 years ago is a little bit slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but there we go. Okay. Just uh, one thing I'd like to mention just before we leave you. A uh, reminder that we're going to be starting up our um, competition probably very soon, for hmm. uh, which uh, you can send us uh, your scripts. We'll be doing it in conjunction with the British Comedy Guide and their BCG uh, Pro uh, membership. So um, that's uh, something to, worth thinking about. We uh, send, send us. Uh, uh, we'll be asking you to, to send us the first ten pages of your your scripts. If you want to become a, a member of uh, Patreon, and you can get us to critique your scripts anyway. Yes, uh, we do a first ten pages. Mm. So um, do join us on Patreon. If you Google Sitcom Geeks mm. Patreon, you will find us, and you will also get access to at least 20 hours worth of audio that you have not been yet treated to, including sitcom Soup to Nuts, where we are creating a sitcom from Mm. scratch before your very ears. Also, we put up advanced um, episodes as well, so you get early access to other things. And there's lots more audio content uh, going up uh, all the time. And there's also a secret Facebook group where we actually have chats about comedy and what's Mm. on and... Um, and little problems that people are having writing or all those signs, all those kinds of things yeah so I think we're done I think we are well thank thanks you for listening yes thank you for bearing with us and we will uh, speak to you next time thanks a lot bye bye <laughs>